When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Epiphany, nothing personal word of the day for Monday, June 20th, 2022 is Epiphany. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please hit follow right now because you're going to hear 45 minutes of insanity today. Monday shows are always crazy because of all the big news, but I'm starting with Epiphany because I walked in the door. I walked in the door four hours ago from a weekend in Texas. And I have to tell you what happened because I had an epiphany about things that I got wrong as president of the Marlins and Expos. How could that possibly relate? Well, it does. By the way, air travel right now, Coca, I get to the airport, it's delayed by 20 minutes. It's fine, no issue. And then an hour, then two hours, then three hours, and I ended up practically on a red eye from Texas And by the time I got to New York, there's no cruise. I spoke to a pilot about this. For all of you doing air travel, the delays are insane right now. The grounds crew, there's not enough grounds crew. They can't find enough people. They can't find enough pilots or flight attendants for all the scheduled flights. They're training pilots very quickly, but it takes two months to train. And while there's certain people who are saying less training's fine, I'm not one of them. My point is, why don't the airlines not publish flights that they're not going to be able to do? So many flights are being canceled. So many flights are being delayed. I am on a streak of eight in a row. Eight flights in a row of mine have been significantly delayed. But that's not the epiphany I had. I was at a place outside Austin, Texas this weekend having a family reunion birthday party. Three members of my family. One turned 30, one turned 40, one turned 50. It was the first get-together on the Samson side without our father, Alan, and my sister, Nancy. But we got together, and we tried to move on and celebrate. And it was on a lake, Lake Travis, for those of you who know Austin or Texas. The temperature was 176 degrees. It's H-O-Triple-T in Texas. So the epiphany I had, and then I'm going to tell you why I had it, is that I am not 25. Now, people have that epiphany when they drink too much and they're older, right? They, they do that. They wake up and they say, I'm never drinking again, ever. I'm never going to feel as badly as I feel now. I just can't run the way I used to. Like when you go out at night or the young people are staying out till 4 or 5 a.m., four nights in a row, five nights in a row, used to do it, can't do it anymore. That's not the epiphany. On Saturday, we rented a pontoon and a ski boat to ski on the lake and to just tool around and party, etc. But I was the only boat driver along with my daughter, Hannah. We learned how to drive boats at Camp Interlock in Eagle River, Wisconsin. I was the water ski director and the waterfront director the next year. 
And this is back in 87, 88. We're talking a long time ago. Then my daughter drove boats. And by the way, my son is driving boats this year at that camp. And their mother taught me how to drive a boat at that camp. Side note. So I know that I can't party because I'm operating a motor vehicle. And I know the only person who can pull me is Hannah. So I'm pulling everyone and I'm being responsible and people are having a hard time getting up because there's not a lot of power on the speedboat. And I get in the water. Hannah takes the wheel. I've got one ski on because I can get up on one ski and stall them. I've been water skiing my whole life. I have not skied, however. I actually own a water ski that was given to me as a present by Larry Beinfest when he signed one of his extensions. He gave me a water ski. Great gift, Larry. And we used to water ski in Florida, like in the, all the alligator lakes in Florida, et cetera. So I get in the water and I put the ski on and I say, hit it. Cause that's what you do when you start. And the boat goes, you go full throttle down and I'm not heavy, but it's not getting me up very well. And I don't get up. The boat comes around. Hannah says, we'll try it again. Second time. No, I'm pulling on the rope because I hold the rope with one palm up, one palm down and you put your knee to your chest and you fight the boat, but you keep your balance and you get up, fine. Third time, I get up on one ski. Have not skied in seven years, maybe, maybe longer. And I'm exhausted. Like as soon as I get up, I realize, wow, this is way harder than I remember. But I'm going in out of the wake and I'm trying to cut, but it's choppy from other boats on the lake and I fall. And then you wave when you fall because you're gonna be okay. And I get back in the boat because I can't breathe, I'm done. And I feel like something's sort of hurting, but I'm not sure what. Get back in the boat, try to pull other people for the next three and a half hours, get back in the water, go again, but I say I'm gonna go on two skis. I get up on two skis immediately and I am flying in and out of the wake like Fonzie jumping the shark. I am having the time of my life. I fall. This time, I say, I just hurt myself. So Saturday evening and all day Sunday, and now today, I can't really walk. I either bruised or broke my tailbone. My hamstring is either torn, but it's not black and blue or strained. And I'm about to climb Kilimanjaro in three weeks and run a marathon and trek through Uganda. I am a prize idiot. The epiphany I had is that I never understood why old players thought they could play. When I would watch them and the GM would watch and say, it's over, you're done. I'm 54, I thought I was 27 out there. I thought that I could absolutely write a check that my body would cash and it bounced like my ass did off the water. But my mentality as I was in the water, as I was skiing, is that I was envisioning the way I used to ski, the way I would get up immediately and go in and out of the wake and have spray and just do, do minutes upon minutes upon minutes and then break for a minute, have a drink of water and do another run. That doing ski jumps, barefoot skiing, knees and elbows, all the things that I did, I envisioned in my head that I could still do. Right now, I cannot wipe my tuchus. My arms are so sore. And that's literal. Like, I need the bidet. So the epiphany is, the reason old players think that they can still play is they're not old in their mind. And I had no one there to tell me 
that I am washed up. But believe me, I'm washed up. So we're late today because of the flight delay and the fact that I can't walk. But the good news about being late and recording this late after you hit the follow button on your Apple podcast where you're listening or Spotify, whatever, is that if there's a little news that comes out a little bit after we record, it usually goes to the next day. But wouldn't you know, we've got some Kyrie Irving news. Kyrie Irving, for those of you who don't remember, the guy in the Nets, the guy who wouldn't get vaccinated, the guy who wouldn't play, couldn't play home games, but played road games. And then we did a whole show because after the season, Kyrie Irving wants a max deal from the Nets. And the GM of the Nets said, "Eh, we need players who are not selfish. We need players who are going to be team guys. And I told you that Kyrie Irving was going to have a problem. Now, the wait to see that we had, Coco, with Kyrie, I don't know if you can check it while we're doing the show. I forgot to mention it pre-show. Did we have a wait to see that he would sign the max or that he wouldn't sign the max? Because if I had to do it again, I would say he wouldn't sign the max. So rumors and sources are saying today that Kyrie Irving and the New York Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, are at an impasse. Now, an impasse is very strange because Kyrie Irving has a player option, sort of like what James Harden has with the Sixers. Kyrie Irving can say, I want to play for the Nets, pay me $36.9 million. But Kyrie Irving said to the Nets, Oh my God, way to go, Coca. January 13th of 2021, I said Kyrie will not finish current deal with the Nets. That's a hell of a way to see from a year and a half ago. And if he is not on the Nets next year, he will not have finished his current deal. Now, what about him and the Max? Did I do an, did I do a way to see about that at all? Since is there any Kyrie Irving way to see since then? Nope. Okay. Well, now we could do one. I, maybe I said it just during a segment. Maybe I saw it on your TikTok page, Coca, where I said it. In any case, a player option means you opt in and then you're on the team for a one-year deal. But the other thing that your team can do in the NBA is you can both opt in and then be eligible for an additional four-year max deal. So he could get like $45 million a year for four more years after the one year of opt-in. So it could turn into a five-year, you know, $230 million contract for Kyrie Irving. And if you are the Brooklyn Nets, under no scenario do you do that deal. Because you're not winning with Kyrie Irving. But the crux of the article is that if Kyrie Irving and the Nets do not negotiate a max deal, and by the way, In the NBA, that's not a negotiation. It is one of the great misnomers in sports today when we read that players and teams negotiated a max deal. You understand the collective bargaining agreement in the NBA gives you the maximum number that you can give to a player. And the player says, that's the number I want. The team then says yes or no. That's not a negotiation. So they're not at a negotiating impasse. Where they are is an impasse of max or not max. To max or not to max, that is the question. And if you are Joe Tsai or if you are Sean Marks, the answer is no. So now Kyrie Irving has to make a decision. Kyrie Irving has to decide, do I opt into my one-year deal or do I go find another team negotiate with that team because I can be a free agent by not doing my last year of the deal. And then I can sign with that team for a max deal. But of course, the max deal for another team is going to be smaller. 
unless you do a sign-and-trade. That's famous in the NBA. You sign, like if you have the player option left, you sign and then you get traded because of the way the NBA deals work is you have to match money. It doesn't matter. What does matter is this. It's the Lakers, the Knicks, and the Clippers are rumored to have interest in Kyrie Irving. If you are the New York Knicks and James Dolan, I have one question. How stupid do you think your fans are? How gullible do you think your fans are? How secure are you that your fans will be with you and your sponsors will be with you no matter what? You're Jimmy Dolan. You're saying, I have 100% certainty. We've stunk for 20 years, and we've got the best attendance, the highest per-game revenue. Our team is worth the most, and sponsors are jumping all over each other to get into the world's famous arena. It's the greatest plan ever. I can't even imagine what that would be like to run a team where it didn't matter. I would talk about that sometimes with uh, Crane Kenny, who's the president of the Cubs. Side note here, he's the president of the Cubs, and I would talk to him when I was with the Marlins. You just say, what's it like? to not have to worry about selling season tickets. In, in Back in the day, the Cubs did have to worry about it, but there was a big period of time, and now they're back to worrying about it, but there was a huge period of time where they just didn't think about it. They, were, they sold out every game. And what he told me, and I always remember this, is that the pressure to perform on the field is the greatest hidden pressure you will have running a team. And when that pressure is removed, it's like an 800-pound weight has been lifted and you are free to do things with your team both on and off the field that you don't feel free to do when you are worried about your revenue. The Knicks are never worried about their revenue. But conversely, when you're free to do a lot of things, like when a small market, small revenue GM takes over a big market team and they feel like they've come unshackled and they get to spend all this money and all of a sudden they start making more and more mistakes. But when you don't have the money to spend and you're really good at it, you like the Tampa Bay Rays, you have to be really good because you can't afford mistakes. The Knicks have never been in a position where they can't make a mistake. So therefore they keep making mistakes. LeBron James with the Lakers, he wants to replace, this would be it. Coke and I were talking pregame, pre-show. And we came up with it. A Westbrook for Irving trade. It would work from a salary cap standpoint, we think. Westbrook has that player option left, which he already exercised. He's making like $46 million. Kyrie could opt into his player option, and then they could arrange a swap. How to keep two teams in the crapper more than doing a Westbrook for Kyrie swap? There is no greater way. So here's my memo to the Brooklyn Nets. Let Kyrie go. If you want to not waste Kevin Durant and have a chance for Ben Simmons to actually maybe be a part of a winning team, potentially, you can't have Kyrie Irving on your team. And if you can convince LeBron James that he can win again with Kyrie Irving, Get him to the Lakers as fast as you can. If James Dolan wants to do a little uh to the Brooklyn Nets, which would be a gift from mana, mana from heaven, if Dolan will take Irving, let him go cross town. The Nets are still a better team than the Knicks. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you right now, 
the Brooklyn Nets will have a better record next year than any team Kyrie Irving is traded to. Wait to see. Book it, Coca. The Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving will have a better record than any team where Kyrie Irving is playing. Can you imagine that he thinks he has the power? Player empowerment. That's a topic we've covered. Boy, have we ever. Part of player empowerment in baseball, it's different in basketball, different in football for sure. The way player empowerment manifests itself in baseball is actually through union negotiation. It's through things that go on behind closed doors in the clubhouse, things that go on with the GM, with the manager, with the owner, different ways that players get treated behind the scenes. That's sort of the player empowerment. One of the things about that is when you've got players who have not earned the right inside a clubhouse to be a spokesperson on an issue, you can have major issues in the clubhouse. What that means is there's certain there's a hierarchy in a clubhouse. There are certain players who are supposed to be talking about things that are going on, and players, when they get together with management or with themselves, they sort of decide who's going to be the spokesperson for this issue. Who's going to meet the media about the managerial change? Who's going to say what when there is a team that's underperforming or when there's a problem in the clubhouse? Who's going to talk about it? Who's going to talk about it when we have an issue with Major League Baseball or the commissioner? There is a system that is used in all 30 clubhouses. I have learned that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim don't have a system. They don't have a system from the owner all the way down to the assistant to the traveling secretary. There is no secret that there has been an issue in Anaheim, both as it relates to winning and as it relates to the lack of relationship with the front office, with the owner, and the issues that they have there. So what happened now? The Angels are back in the news because Anthony Rendon, who they signed in 2019 to what I would consider a max deal, he got $245 million from the the, uh, Angels. Boris was his agent. Rendon was the best position player available. And he has been an unmitigated failure for the Angels. The Angels find themselves below 500 again. Mike Trout is being wasted. They're very concerned about whether they can re-sign Otani because Otani has said he wants to win, which brings me back to a promise that was made to Otani when he signed with the Angels that he would get to pitch, he would get to hit, and he would get the extension when allowed. You heard me tell you that Rob Manford sent a memo to all 30 teams. If you sign Shohei Otani, you may not promise him his second contract. We're going to find out, and you're going to be fined and be subject to losing draft picks. I promise you the Los Angeles Angels had a deal in place with Otani for this next contract. But Otani has outperformed even what Otani thought. He has won an MVP. He has been a well above average pitcher and hitter. So there has to be a different contract put in place. There is talk that Otani wants $50 million a year. And the Anaheim Angels have never had a problem spending money. They just haven't spent it right. You look at Justin Upton. You look at C.J. Wilson. You look at Albert Pujols. They have made tremendous mistakes in their spending and haven't won. So if you are the Angels, are you signing Otani to a $255 million five-year deal? $50 million a year. 
He wants to be the highest paid player above Scherzer's 43. Is he worthy of it? No. You cannot pay a player that amount of money and expect to win unless you're willing to go to the Steve Cohn level of payroll. And even then, you better have better young players than the Angels have. So that's the Angels' problem off the field when it comes to business. They have another problem on the field, other than losing. One of their players is a guy named Michael Lorenzen. He's a pitcher. He is not and should not be the spokesperson for that team. He went off on Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball does not like it when players go public like Pete Alonso did with the two different balls that are being used so pitchers don't get paid or hitters don't get paid. Major League Baseball does not like that. Michael Lorenzen came out and said, these baseballs are slick. There's something wrong with these baseballs. He was saying that balls are slipping out of his hand. They're not being rubbed correctly. There's not enough mud. Because baseballs, when they are put into a game, are not brand new. There's actually a system that clubhouse people use where you mud a ball to make it game ready. So if you ever get a foul ball and you wonder how could a ball look so used when they take them out of play every pitch practically, the answer is they look used as new balls. You know a ball is actually used when you catch it and it's scuffed, meaning it, it, it's been hit by a bat, not rubbed with mud. The way we would check, totally different note here, Coca. The way we would check for good contact, do you know we would go into the clubhouse and we would look at game bats? Because you can see where players are hitting balls because the ball makes a mark on the bat. And you can see the players who are barreling the bats. You can see players who are not getting good contact because they're hitting off the end of the bat or right off the handle. Because you look at a bat and you can see. The best hitters are barreling the most balls, and they've got very few. It's sort of like when a golfer goes to a range, and it's like a standard deviation, and they hit 100 balls, and 97 of them are right near the hole, but then there's two off the green on each side, right? That would be 101 balls. That's a really good golfer. In baseball, every bat's going to have an occasional off the handle, occasionally off the tip, but the majority will be right in the barrel. So these balls that are used are muddied up, and Lorenzen's claiming that all these pitchers are not able to grip the ball, and Major League Baseball is doing this on purpose. He said, this is on Major League Baseball. I don't know what's going on. These baseballs are straight out of the package. His teammate, Ryan Tepera, said, I'm getting balls that are not muddied at all. There's video of him taking balls and throwing them back, throwing them back, throwing them back. Here's a news alert, folks. Major League Baseball is not responsible to muddy the ball. Every home team muddies the ball. So what do you do? What's baseball going to do? The focus, we're getting into the midseason now, right? We're middle of June. At the end of June, in 10 days, the season will be halfway done. And what topics would you say you've heard the most about since the season started off the top of your head give me the top five topics no research don't do who's got the most twitter followers or twitter mentions top five things you've heard coca we didn't do it we're doing it right now ready number one aaron judge i believe he is the most talked about player and the season he's having 
that would be number one. Number two, the fact that the Yankees and the Mets have had the best record in their respective leagues for so long. I think that's the second thing talked about. Number three, the fact that Shohei Otani and Mike Trout were doing great for the first part of the season and everyone was talking about the Angels making the playoffs and now they've had a terrible run, they're done. That's the third thing I think that's being talked about. The fourth thing that's being talked about, off the field, baseballs. Are they dead? Are they juiced? Are they being changed? Are they being changed mid-season? Are they being screwed around with? Number five, all the teams who stink. What an outrage it is that the Cincinnati Reds were so bad. Meanwhile, I think they have a better record than the Cubs now, maybe. But that there's six teams who could lose 100 games and a bunch of managers are being fired, etc. I think those are the top five stories. Off the top of my head. If you're Major League Baseball, we would have a general rule in the commissioner's office and in the front office. It's my 80-20 rule. You've heard me talk about this on a mailbag episode. By the way, if you've got questions for mailbag episodes when I'm in Africa, please get them on the Apple review and put a question in your Apple uh, review and we'll get to it on one of the mailbags that we're going to do. Or if you want to tweet at me, David P. Sampson, in my DMs, you can do it there too. But we need the Apple more. We just got told by CBS that we have to get more follows on Apple and Spotify. 80-20 is 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's the rule in every company. That's totally normal, and that's how it works. In baseball, we want 80% of the stories to be on-field performance-based stories, the Aaron Judge stories, how good are the Yankee stories. And you want 20% at most to be the sort of off-the-field distraction stories. That Under that category is arrests, domestic abuse, DUIs, it is fights in the, in, the, in the dugout, fights on the field, bad baseballs, corked bats, suspensions, PEDs, all of the negative stuff you want at 20. Baseball's in total violation of that right now. They're not going to make a statement, though. That's not how baseball rolls. They're not going to respond publicly to Pete Alonzo or to Michael Lorenzen or to Ryan Tepera. They're just not going to do it because that would be fueling the fire in social media, that would be protesting in a way that they just don't want to be seen to even merit a response to what these people are saying. And if I'm the president of the Angels, I'm talking to Mike Trout. And I'm saying, listen, I don't want your teammates talking like this. You're the leader of our team. We're having a problem. You know that. It's not for lack of payroll. I need you to be out front. Not like Rob Manford saying, hey, Mike Trout, be the face of baseball. Mike Trout saying, I don't want to be the face of baseball. And people saying, Mike Trout, why don't you want to be the face of baseball? You're being paid $400 million. Be the face of baseball. It's absolutely Mike Trout's right not to be the face of baseball. No problem. But he's got to be the face of the Angels. Hard stop. All right, we're going to take a break. After the break, we're going to review a movie and we're going to talk about something that happened in Golden State that blew my mind this weekend. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. 
Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramps business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. It's Monday. Our word of the day was epiphany. I can't move. I'm afraid after this 45 minutes, I won't be able to get up out of the glove chair. And I'm operating on two hours sleep and we're late. I'm sorry. I watched a movie that I told you all to watch called Everything Everywhere All at Once. We still watch a movie every day or a TV series. I am now midway through season four of This Is Us. I will make it through six and then review it. I can't stop, won't stop. I think I'm going to watch today, though, the new Andy Garcia remake of Father of the Bride with Gloria Stefan. It just came out on HBO Max. Coke, I, I, I got to watch it. Father of the Bride was from, I don't remember the year. I'm going to guess like 1991 because I think it was the year after I first got married. Somewhere around there, Coca. The original Father of Bly with Steve Martin and Martin Short. And it, 1991 is correct. Why do you, That's just not something I should remember. In any case, there's a new Father of the Bride. But I want to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. It's 1999 on either Amazon or Apple. It is a two-hour and 10 or two-hour and 20-minute movie starring Michelle Yao. It is a movie about the metaverse, and I don't mean Zuckerberg. I don't mean social media. It's sort of like Inception in that there's a lot going on. And you have to try to keep track of who's where and why. Because this woman has an ability to understand all of her past lives. And the theory is we've all had a thousand past lives. And if you were a chef in your past life who knew how to work knives, then you have the ability to, I meant multiverse, not metaverse. Did I say metaverse? It's multiverse. Thank you, Coco. Can I get back to the chef story, please? Because in a multiverse, if you go back to when you were a chef in a previous life, and then in this life, you could remember that you can use knives. If you were a singer, you could remember that you can now sing. So the whole movie is about this woman who is has a husband, maybe, a brother, maybe. You're not really sure exactly what's happening. Are they married? Are they getting divorced? Are they not getting divorced? Should they get divorced? What are they trying to do? Are they trying to be saved? Every character, there's like, there's always a character in a wheelchair who also plays a character not in a wheelchair in a different multiverse. And they're basically trying to save the verse. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It's the best movie I've seen in 2022. And I don't say that lightly because I've seen some great movies this year. Her performance is magical. It's got, there's fight scenes. It's Matrix-like. It's Memento-like. It's Inception-like. You're looking at a real movie written well, produced well, filmed well, 
great action sequences, great mind games that you have to pay attention. It's not a background movie at all. You know, there's movies you put on when you're doing work or when you're working out, you're just sort of have there for white noise. That's not what this is. You need all of your faculties. Now, a little word. Do not watch this movie half-baked. Because what I'm afraid would happen if you did is it would blow your mind. I think your mind would explode. Now, a second time, I may attempt that. But for your first time watching everything everywhere all at once, which you have to watch, I want you paying full attention with all of your faculties in place. Enjoy it. All right, Coca, one listener and one person contacted me on Twitter who had a question about exactly something that I wanted to cover today. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get on my Twitter, David P. Samson. Follow on Apple, of course. Ask a question, and I may answer it. I try to do as many DMs as possible. I try to interact with as many of you as possible. But as you can imagine, it's impossible because the show has so many listeners, but we need more, but want more, crave more, and thank you for more. Why would an assistant coach not take a head coaching job? It makes no sense to me. And hello, David. I like that. You, you're all getting into that. I like the back and forth. I like, hi, David. Hey, what's shaking? How you doing? I don't like Samson with a P. I'm not going to put that on the air. And some of you are still doing that. I don't know why. It's David P. Samson. S-A-M-S-O-N. Thank you. Have you heard of Kenny Atkinson? Any Nets fans out there? He coached the Nets for a couple years, like two, three years. Head coach. Kenny Atkinson was an assistant. Are you a Nick fan? Do you remember him being an assistant coach with the Knickerbockers? What about the Hawks? Remember him with the Hawks? No? Spurs? Anybody? Warriors? Bueller? Steve Kerr is the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. When Steve Kerr misses time for injury or COVID or any other reason, this season, Mike Brown took the reins. Mike Brown was the top assistant to Steve Kerr. Mike Brown got a chance to coach the Sacramento Kings, interviewed, was offered a job, accepted, stayed on the bench, won the title for the Golden State Warriors, and now is the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. That's the Mike Brown who's used to coach. I want to say, am I right? Did he coach the Cavaliers, Coca? I have a feeling he did. I don't know why. But he now has another head coaching job. Kenny Atkinson was hired by Michael Jordan to be the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets had a four-year deal in place. He was going to leave the Warriors after their playoff run, whenever it ends, and become the head coach of Charlotte. Golden State wins the championship. And wouldn't you know it, word came out this weekend that he called MJ and said, listen, I changed my mind. I don't want to coach the Charlotte Hornets. Hey, Golden State, I want to be the assistant coach again. Huh? I've never seen that in my life. You have an opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA, 32 jobs. You have a chance to have your second job, head coaching, and you turn it down? Let's discuss why he would do that. 
Kenny Atkinson is white. Mike Brown is black. There's a lot of talk, both in the NFL and the NBA and baseball and everywhere, that minority managers and head coaches do not often get a second chance. As a matter of fact, the entire lawsuit in the NFL is about that second chance and the fact that it doesn't happen. Mike Brown got a second chance and immediately took it. Kenny Atkinson got a second chance and said, I don't want it. I don't want to lose. I want a better team. I don't want to work with Michael Jordan and what they have in Charlotte when I can stay here in Golden State and keep winning. But Kenny Atkinson went public and said, nah, I just didn't want to move. I've been moving too much. Three teams in three years, eight moves. I needed better for my kids. Horse hockey. Kenny Atkinson knows he's getting another chance to be a head coach, whether it's with Golden State or with another team. Kenny Atkinson has a luxury that other minority coaches and other coaches generally do not get, which is the ability to turn down a head coaching job. It's unthinkable. Was he promised that he could take over for Steve Kerr in Golden State? He'll be the number one assistant because Mike Brown's gone. Is Steve Kerr retiring anytime soon? No. Steve Kerr, as you remember, nine rings. He's one away from Casey Jones and Tommy Heinsohn. He's two away from Bill Russell. He's four away from Phil Jackson. He's not going anywhere. When you are in the coaching business or in the baseball business, the basketball business, the sports business, on the sports side, not the business side, you are going to move. If you're not willing to move, you're in the wrong business. Your family knows it. Your kids know it. It's part of the cost of doing business. There will be movement. So I do not accept Kenny Atkinson's claim that he did not take the Charlotte job because he did not want to move his family. He can say it all he wants. It's a bunch of horse hockey. You wait. Kenny Atkinson's going to get another chance to be a head coach because he would never turn down, no matter how stinky Charlotte was going to be, if you don't think you're getting another chance and you don't want to take that chance with a winning team. Most people don't have the luxury because the teams who stink are the ones who make the coaching changes. So when new coaches or managers take over, they're taking over bad teams or teams that have underperformed where the odds are you're not going to succeed, but you still take the chance. I don't care if Golden State matched the money for Charlotte. If I am running an NBA team and I know of a coach out there who did not take a head coaching job because he'd rather be an assistant for more money, as much as I love and tell you it's all about money and business, no, the show's not over yet. When you have a chance to be the number one, you bet on yourself. You want to be the number one. Period. Either you've got that makeup internally or you don't. Kenny Atkinson, are you saying that you don't have that makeup? That you'd rather be the number two on a good team than the number one on a bad team? No way. Being number one on any team is better than being number two on the best team. Kenny Atkinson is going to get another head coaching job and that's what he knew. Otherwise, there's no way he's turning that down. I do not care about how much he's moved. Give me a break. I'll tell you what I need a break from is picking games. The Cubs beat the Braves on Friday. That We lost that one nothing. 
The Braves lost their 14-game win streak in a one nothing loss. And the Cubs broke their 10-game losing streak with a one nothing win. Baseball. Then on Saturday night, we had the lightning over the avalanche. We almost had that right. We only lost by a touchdown, which is, I mean, it's a touchdown. We were one possession away from winning that Stanley Cup game. The avalanche are up 2 nothing. We are down to 71 and 59. Not terrible. We are 12 games over, but we were like 18 over, I think. 19 over at one point. All right, let's talk about Yankees and Rays. Are you aware that the Yankees don't lose? Are you further aware that the Rays, I want to give you the updated standings right now, and I'm just going to give it to you pretty straight up where the Yankees and the Rays are because it would shock you. The Yankees have an 11-game lead over Toronto and a 13-game lead over Tampa. The Yankees had their nine-game winning streak snapped by Tampa yesterday in a sort of meltdown, bullpen meltdown by the Yankees. The Tampa Bay Rays have their number one pitcher going. And by the way, oh, it was Toronto who did it, not Tampa. Thank you. I don't know. I knew it was Toronto, of course. All right. I'm going to do the pick of the day separately. Coca, okay? 4-8-69. The Yankees had their nine-game winning streak snapped. They go into a series against Tampa with their ace, supposed ace, Garrett Cole, going against a Rays pitcher who is impossible to hit. The Rays are 13 games back of a division they expected to win. 13 games back. And we're not young in this season. There have been 66 games played. Tampa right now is in the expanded wild card. They're holding a wild card spot. But they're only a half game up on the Red Sox for the final wild card. This is when Tampa starts. The Yankees are not going to play 900 baseball for the season. Their winning percentage is 742. Their winning percentage at the end of the season will not be 742. They're going to lose games. It starts tonight when they have a two-game losing streak. We are taking the Rays over the Yankees. So something else happened in baseball. Did we cover uh, last week, Coca, the uh, ownership meetings? Did we not talk about Rob Manford and him talking uh, when he does the press conference? Well, something else came out about the owners' meetings over the weekend that I am very familiar with. It turns out that there's a bunch of owners who off the record went to the media because when you're at owner's meetings, there's media in a special section, but they hang out in the lobby. And when you're going sort of in the lobby of your of the building in New York, they do it at the uh, at MLB headquarters. So there's places where the media hangs out. They're in the lobby of the building, like during the negotiation of the CBA, where the media was hanging out literally in the lobby of the building of both the union and MLB because ML Union has a different office building, obviously. Uh, MLB's offices are on 6th Avenue, 1271 6th Avenue in New York City. There's a great MLB merchandise store in the lobby of the building. It's terrific. They moved there from Park Avenue right before COVID. They did that deal. I, I think they would undo it if they could, actually. But in any case, so the owners meet there, and the media is waiting. And then... We would always look after the owners' meetings to see what stories are coming out, who's sourcing what, who's leaking what, because there's always leaks. Multiple owners have come out anonymously angry with the Oakland A's for the fire sale they did, quote, trading all their players and them taking revenue sharing. Let me tell you something about the Oakland A's, just so we're clear. 
because there seems to be some misunderstanding. The Oakland A's during my time were not eligible for revenue sharing, even though they needed it. The Oakland A's just started getting revenue sharing again this year, and it's only $8 million. Next year, they're only going to be able to get 20. Side note, teams like the Marlins and the Rays, it's closer to 50. They don't talk much about who gets what in revenue sharing. Owners are upset that the A's and John Fisher, their owner, are pocketing revenue sharing dollars? Negative. It's all made up. It's all the union trying to put it on the owners as owner sources. Let me explain to you how owners think. Large market owners who are paying a lot of money into the revenue sharing pool, there is one thing they do not like. When teams they give revenue sharing to beat them on the field. The owners aren't upset with the A's, they're upset with the Rays. Because the Rays take the revenue sharing and then kick their ass. Second thing, owners want a chance to get as many players as possible who are good. The Oakland A's, along with several other teams, always, this year it was the Reds and the A's, Next year, it'll be a different team. There's always a team on the down cycle trading its stars because they are retooling and rebuilding. The large market teams require it. They want it. They want these good players available because they want to trade for them. They build up their entire farm system to make the deals with the teams who go into the bad cycles. The fact that the Oakland A's made all their players available is a positive to the teams who acquire them, but a negative to the teams who try to acquire them but can't because their farm systems are not as good. It's an indictment on your farm system, Mr. Owner. So you think the owners actually went to the media and said, God, we can't stand the Oakland A's for pocketing their revenue sharing. They're having a low payroll. They're embarrassed. They're only drawing 3000 a game. Every owner is aware of what John Fisher's doing because every owner's done it. Every owner is told by Rob Manford what John Fisher's doing. They're all aware of whether they announce actual attendance versus the commissioner helping them make up attendance. Everything is discussed. But do you know who doesn't like the fact that the Oakland A's get revenue sharing and lower their payroll? The union. The union wants as many teams as possible competing for all players. They want to eliminate tanking. Do you remember that from the CBA negotiation? One of their big things, let's get young players paid and let's stop tanking. Because tanking means there's fewer opportunities for the upper level free agents to sign. It makes perfect sense that the union would be upset with Oakland. I do not like when owners are put in a position or team presidents to be blamed for something that's not true. I'm blamed for a ton of stuff that wasn't true, but I did it knowingly. Baseball's got to get the stories on the field. We need stories on the field, Coca, and that's what we're going to get. Okay, it's nap time. I'm going to do laundry because I can't nap without doing laundry after a trip. I actually, four hours ago, did not. now it's five hours ago, I did not unpack from the weekend, which is so rare because I wanted to try to sleep a little bit before doing the show. 
Now I got to unpack, do laundry, which should have been done immediately. We'll be back tomorrow. Well-rested with plenty of stories. So many things we could have gotten to today. We may get to them tomorrow. Maybe there'll be new stuff. It's just business. This is nothing personal.